Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. On the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Joining us now is the author of Facebook, The Inside Story, in part of the St. Louis Jewish Book Festival Spring Virtual Pop-Up which is uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, April 20th at 7 o'clock. You can get your tickets online, or if you have that spring virtual pass, you can watch it there, too. Stephen Levy, thank you for coming on to KMOX. Facebook's an interesting topic because I think a lot of people could relate to Facebook because they're either a user of it or they've read it in the news or whatever it is. It seems like virtually everyone is a user anymore worldwide. It's amazing how many accounts they have. So it would be pretty impossible, I think, to stray away from all controversies. So your book, The Inside Story, where does it begin? My you know, uh, interaction with Facebook begins in 2006 when I met Mark Zuckerberg. Um, uh, the story of Facebook itself begins probably the day Mark Zuckerberg was born and became Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> he is the um, founder of Facebook. And he's still, um, even though the, you know, the company is you know, started in 2004 in his dorm room at Harvard, he still is the person you know, who makes every major decision at Facebook. Uh, he owns the majority of the voting stock. He can't be fired. So, um, you know, uh, the book starts with Mark. And uh, I actually talk about his childhood. I talk to his parents. And uh, you could learn a lot about Facebook by learning about Mark. Yeah, it goes back. Uh, it's interesting to think of the different companies we have that have such public faces anymore. We think about Amazon and Jeff Bezos. We think about Tesla with Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, when you think about the high-profile celebrities that run businesses, I mean, there's an elite group of people in America today that have become celebrities based on the things that they've created. Right. Well, I mean, you know, as you mentioned before, the penetration of Facebook into our lives is so deep that, you know, uh, like it or not, we are engaging with their founders. And, you know, I've, I've been in this business long enough to have known all the founders of these major tech companies, you know, uh, Bezos and Steve Jobs at Apple. And um, though they're very different people, what they have in common is this amazing drive and also an ability to, to press on with an idea that people originally thought was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, because they go on, they're, they become uh, convinced of their correctness in pursuing, you know, what, what they want to do. And, uh, 
you know, uh, there's something weird that happens when someone is told all the time, you're crazy, this isn't going to work, and it works spectacularly, mm. right? Um, <laughs> from that point, when their company grows and it starts having negative effects on people, they don't see that. You know, instead, they're just cruising on that initial lesson they had that said, everyone said, I'm wrong, I'm right. So they keep thinking that. I think when a company gets so large, they are looked at as super villains in a way. So Jeff Bezos and Amazon looked at it in a certain way. Um, you know, Dorsey for Twitter looked at it a certain way. And even with Mark Zuckerberg. So when it comes to the companies that they run, the things that go on in their companies, and they are interchangeable with the name of the companies. I mean, they're one or the other. When you think of Facebook, you think Mark Zuckerberg, really, if you're trying to put a face on it. Is it hard to separate sometimes when you're writing stories about Facebook, the things that go on behind the scenes that may he may have nothing to do with, but he has such control of it that it always relates back to him in a way? Is it hard to separate the two of them, the two entities? Well, partly that's the mission to write a book about a company like Facebook. Then what you do is you talk to enough people. I talked to, you know, literally a couple hundred people uh, in, you know, who have worked at Facebook um, and were still working at Facebook and probably another hundred um, who had dealings with Facebook. Um, and, you know, so you get to tease out what is part of the effect they put in motion and what is what they are personally responsible for, what Mark Zuckerberg is personally responsible for. Um, so uh, in the course of you know, reporting the book, you're able to tease that out. And, and, uh, yeah, but it's interesting when you visit Facebook, which I did you know, probably hundreds of times during the course of this book, you, know, you, you walk around with these posters on the wall with these slogans, and they kind of channel their leader. You know, they channel the way he thinks. They say, you know, like hacking, you know, an exclamation point, you know, which is, you know, the way he sees, you know, the way he codes, the way he wants people at Facebook to code. There's a big poster that says, what would you do if you're not afraid? Um, and then there's pictures of people that, um, you know, who did amazing things that, that Mark Zuckerberg admires. And uh, so uh, his imprint pretty much is everywhere at Facebook. You know, when that movie came out, it seems like 10 years ago now, The Social Network, that was a pretty big thing. I think um, I, I think some people were exposed to some things they really didn't realize about the founding of Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg as a person. What do you think about that movie, and is it a true reflection of those early years of Mark Zuckerberg? Well, there's a considerable amount of fiction in that movie. Is you know, What do you want to do? Hollywood... Um, Aaron Sorkin, the great screenwriter, um, wanted to tell a story, and he found a narrative line that you know maybe didn't map out 100 um, percent or even 50 percent to Mark Zuckerberg's real story. Um, you know, but in, in some things, you know, were correct in, in terms of the control and passion that. Uh, Zuckerberg had towards his company. You know, what, what happened was I did this book. I, I, when I signed on to do the book, I began in 2016. Um, you know, in 2015, Mark Zuckerberg posted that a billion people had been on Facebook within 24 hours. And that made me really want to write this book because mm -hmm. that had never been done before to get such a big chunk of 
all of humanity in one network, right? Mm-hmm. Where any one person can connect instantly with any other person on there. Now it's three billion, you know, not just one billion. And um, it took me a year to get them to cooperate. And then I started it, and I thought I'd be telling that story about how they connected and really not pay all that much attention to the early days of Facebook. But then the election of 2016 came, and it uncovered all the ways that Facebook got into our lives, maybe not in such a good way. And during the time I was reporting the book, all these fingers were being pointed at Facebook, and you know, I was writing about that. So I had to go back earlier to understand what had happened. Hmm. And that's, that's why I spent so much time um, you know, unearthing the roots of Facebook's problems um, you know, in, by going earlier in its history. Mm-hmm. You know, like Chekhov, the playwright, said that if you plant a gun in Act 1, it's got to go off in Act 3. Well, I was researching my book in Act 3, so I had to go back and find where the guns were planted in, in the first act. <laughs> Facebook, The Inside Story is the name of the book and author Stephen Levy. He's participating in the St. Louis Jewish Book Festival Spring Virtual Pop-Up, which is on Tuesday night, 7 o'clock. You can get tickets online if you do a quick search for the St. Louis Jewish Book Festival. Or if you get that Spring Virtual Pass, you can watch that. I heard that Charlie Brennan will be moderating that interview, so I'm sure you'll enjoy Stephen Levy on Overnight America KMOX. Don't just listen to the news. React to it. We are the voice of St. Louis. Everyone is welcome. He wrote the book Facebook, The Inside Story. Talked to hundreds of former workers, including, of course, Mark Zuckerberg. You can't write a book on Facebook if you don't got the inside track. Stephen Levy joins us, and he's part of the St. Louis Jewish Book Festival. Spring virtual pop-up virtually. Talking about his book tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, Tuesday night. Tickets are on sale if you want to go see that virtually. Or if you got the spring virtual pass, you can get it that way. Too. I even think Charlie Brennan here at KMOX will be um, part of that, asking you questions. So he's an awesome. I don't know if you've worked with Charlie Brennan before, but I think you'll have a good Everybody's time. Everybody's been telling me well, how amazing uh, the interviewer he's going to be. So I'm looking forward to it. He'll be good. So you spoke to hundreds of people um, working at Facebook. Uh, so I'm guessing off the record, so they could be candid, were they happy, the people that worked at Facebook, generally speaking? Um, well, by and large, they were. I talked to a number of people who used to work at Facebook and don't work there anymore. Um, and by the time I talked to them, uh, a lot of them had reservations about what they did. Um, sometimes I would find a number of products you know, or initiatives that Facebook launched where people around Mark Zuckerberg had qualms about it. They worried maybe this violated privacy or this would have a bad effect on people. And uh, Mark would say, well, we're going to do it anyway. And these people were unhappy about it. And, you know, can they look back at their time there and they're, you know, have mixed feelings about it. You know, in some hands, in some cases, you know, there's a lot of good that comes from Facebook. People use it to, you know, uh, connect with their relatives, people they went to school with. Um, If it's your birthday and you go on Facebook and everything, all these people from your past, you're saying happy birthday. But then there's some things which aren't so great. Um, people reach you with ads that um, maybe try to manipulate you, push you a certain political candidate um, by knowing something that you thought about you that you thought they should know. Um, there's your data which is floating around, and um, people are enabled to you know target you. Um, 
based on your psychology. Um, you click that little like button in Facebook, and Facebook knows a lot about you just from that simple act. Mm-hmm. You know, one researcher found that with 10 likes, Facebook could know enough about you to know your political affiliation and sexual orientation. And with about 30 likes, they know about as much about you as a friend. And about 300 likes, they know more about you than your spouse. Mm. So, you know, this is an, an alarming thing. And, uh, and some of the people I talked to um, when they left Facebook, they thought, you know, well, I, I engaged in something that I'm a little ashamed of. Other people don't think that. Other people, you know, stuck with Facebook for many years, and, you know, they're proud of it. So um, I had to put all that together for my narrative. Wow. In the course of these different interviews and researching the company, did you ever think to yourself, oh, man, I need to delete my account right away? (laughs) Well, actually, I never did. No, no. (laughs) First of all, it was so amazingly useful to me to be able to get in touch with people. You know, uh, you know, sometimes if you're doing a story, you wonder, well, is this person on Facebook? Can I contact them? Everyone's on Facebook when you're writing a book about Facebook. <laughs> so, so you can find them. And sometimes you would go and, you know, you really wouldn't want to use Facebook to have a confidential discussion. So you would ask if they have a, a signal account or some other kind of encrypted account where they could talk frankly to you. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, when you undertake a book like this, and Facebook, you know, they gave me cooperation. I talked to Mark Zuckerberg nine times during the course of this book. Mm-hmm. And, you know, pretty much anyone at Facebook uh, I could interview. Um, but sometimes I wanted an interview that was a little more frank, and I would uh, use a back channel to contact them um, and hear uh, a, a different version of the story. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's interesting because I think some people look at Facebook as a tool. It's kind of like you with your research. It made it very easy to access certain people, communicate with them, research, things like that. So is the effective way to use Facebook just know how you're using it, know what you could use it for, and also know that there are some pitfalls and things that could violate your privacy. Know what those are and then do your best to stay away from them. Well, it's a little difficult because, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, you can't control um, what happens to the information you share with Facebook. And sometimes you don't even know you're sharing it. Um, Facebook, you know, has very elaborate metrics. So they want to deliver the best possible news feed. Those, you know, little uh, stories that come up, those little, you know, links that, that come up or dispatches from the people you know um, that, that shows up on, on the homepage there. Um, and what they define that as is things that you'd be interested in and want to, in, and want to keep you going to look at more of them. Um, they like very much when things go viral. So it's like you're in a candy store. Um, and, you know, it's very easy to just, like, keep popping those sweets into your mm. mouth. Um, and each time you do that, Facebook's learning something else about you. You know, we talked before about how the likes tell something about you. Well, what you click on at, at Facebook or even spend time looking at makes a difference. You know, Facebook knows um, when you linger on one of those stories on your news feed, and they take that into account. Um, and it's, you know, to, you know, they, they say to make it a better experience for you, but it also makes it a longer experience for you and one which you give up more information. Hmm. And then sometimes there's cases where 
information about you, you know, gets hacked or leaked. And that's happened a few times in Facebook. And um, uh, that's not a, a, a nice thing to know that your inf- personal information is being passed on to a company that's trying to um, elect Donald Trump for president, for instance. Your book, Facebook, The Inside Story, I've seen interviews with Mark Zuckerberg, and I've seen where he's testified in front of Congress. You said you spoke to him seven times, uh, author Stephen Levy joining us. And I'm curious when you spoke to him, was his guard up? Would he say, uh, Mr. Levy, I would like to answer that question. Was, was he very formal in the way that he would speak to you, or was he more informal? It was pretty informal. So I mentioned before, the first time I met Mark Zuckerberg, which is in 2006, He's a kid, really. He just basically maybe turned 21 at that point. Um, Facebook was uh, an app that, you know, or a a website. It wasn't even an app yet um, that college kids used. Mm -hmm. And I had heard about it. I was working for Newsweek then. I'm a Wired now. Um, And uh, I thought it'd be interesting to meet this guy. So we set up a meeting at a conference, a tech conference in California. Um, And I sat down. It It was a big lunch you know, a break for the conference. I sat next to him. I asked him some simple questions like, well, how many people on Facebook? How many people work there? And he just stared at me. He wouldn't answer the question. Hmm. Um, I I was very discombobulated. Finally, I asked him, well, do you know anything about this conference we're at? It had been conferences that have been going on since the early days of the PC era. And he didn't know that. And I explained that to him. And he opened up a little bit. Hmm. And I thought, you know, this is a very unusual person, uh, but uh, over the years, um, I kept covering him. I did his cover story for Newsweek about Facebook in 2007, and he opened up to me. And I think one reason why they gave me the access they did was because in those intervening years, um, uh, particularly when I went to Wired for a few years, I was talking to him a lot, that he got a comfort level with mm. me. So when I talked to him, um, the interviews, we got to a point where I could ask him questions where no one else could ask him without him shutting down. Um, and we got a good rapport going. And, uh, you know, Mark is a very cautious person. He likes to keep his cards very close to his chest. But, um, you know, I, I figured out which questions to ask him that could be revealing. And, you know, I think people who read the book all will be able to see he reveals himself in a way that um, you don't get, certainly when a congressperson is asking him a question. (laughs) He's going to be part of the St. Louis Jewish Book Festival Spring Virtual Pop-Up. His uh, presentation is tomorrow night, Tuesday at 7 o'clock. Charlie Brennan will be moderating that one. You got the tickets online, but make sure to look up his book, even if you can't make that. Facebook, The Inside Story, in author Stephen Levy. We continue with him right after the break on Overnight America, KMOX. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... 
You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Recker. Welcome back to Overnight America. Ryan Recker Radio on Facebook. It would be so nice if you were to give that Facebook page a like. Getting close to those uh, next milestone, which is 1,000 likes, which in the grand scheme of things doesn't seem like a lot, but it does to me. So if you haven't already liked the page, it would be great if you could. We're joined by Stephen Levy, author of Facebook, The Inside Story. He's going to be doing a interview with Charlie Brennan tomorrow night, part of the St. Louis Jewish Book Festival spring virtual pop-up, 7 o'clock. You can find that online. Right before the break, you were talking about Mark Zuckerberg. All the times that you spoke with him and you learn about some of the early interviews and you you start researching him as a person, things like that, I'm going to defer to some of the Internet memes, which believe he's a robot, a reptilian. Do you ever get those impressions? Well, I think he's a very logical person. Um, And it's interesting, the interactions you have – with him, you know, when you the, almost can he see the gears going in his mind? Um, we had this interview I remember once. It was at his house, um, and this was in 2018. Facebook's under a lot of criticism, and he's about to give a keynote at Facebook's big conference mm-hmm. in a couple of days. Um, and he tells me, you know, we're going to introduce this new um, feature about dating. And I said, Mark, are you sure that's a good idea? You know, everyone, you know, is very concerned about Facebook and privacy. They don't trust Facebook. Um, You know, and he said, well, we've always been, you know, sort of people have always dated with Facebook, use that information. And, 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 you know, we we go on to talk about other things. And about literally 20 minutes later, he circles back to that, you know, and you you can see it's been masticating on that subject. and, And he thinks, you really think that's going to be a problem? People are going to say that? <laughs> but yeah, well, yeah, you know, and, and indeed that's what happened. But, um, uh, you know, so it, it's interesting to have that interaction. He has somewhat of a sense of humor about himself. Um, you know, he, he, he gets that. Um, but uh, he is a very focused and driven person. You know, it's interesting you mentioned the dating thing. So when you start to go back and look at some of the things they invested in, time or money or whatever, what are some of the company's biggest fails, the things that they would look back at and regret? Well, one thing I talk about is it's an untold, previously untold story about how Facebook wanted to do a phone. Um, Hmm. They wanted to do a phone that would compete with Apple's phone and Google's phone. And they had a deal with Intel for the chip. They had a beautiful design from one of the Silicon Valley's top designers. And um, they were going to try to take on Apple and Google uh, with a phone. And in the last minute, uh, Mark backed away. He thought, 
you know, you know, I don't know if we could do this. I don't know if we could succeed at that. Um, and they wound up cutting back and not doing the hardware and making a deal with, a, with the, one of the mobile companies to do put their software on a phone um, uh, and make a, a Facebook experience, but nothing like that push. So that was like a big fail for them. Um, and as a matter of fact, they almost failed to do the whole mobile experience. That was hmm. a very scary moment for Facebook because they were late to building a big app for huh. Facebook and, you know, and, and figuring out how to move their ad model to mobile. Um, and, you know, Mark was late to it. But when he finally did get onto it, he went so hardcore on it that when someone showed him a product or a feature that, you know, they, they didn't show it to him on the phone first. He threw them out of his office. He said, this review is over. Huh. So um, that imprinted on his mind. And I think what happened was after that, um, he became even more competitive than he was before. And that's why he bought a company that did virtual reality at the Oculus company um, for a couple billion dollars because he thought maybe this was going to be the next thing past mobile, maybe in 10 years. Instead of using phones, we'll all be in virtual reality, and I want to own that. So he bought that company. Wow. You know, I think about how companies sometimes try to look at other companies that are similar to them as their competition. How are they going to take a certain amount of the marketplace? Are they going to be able to, are they going to sign the next big thing and they're going to miss out on it or whatever it is? And you see these things crop up like Clubhouse recently, and then Facebook says, okay, we're going to do our own thing, you know, something similar to it, but in our own way. You know, and they, they try to develop their own thing, and then sometimes they'll just go flat out and spend a billion dollars and just buy a company outright and just take it over. I think Instagram or or whatever. But I, I wonder for them, who do they look at as their competition, do you think? And is there competition for Facebook? Well, I think, you know, they, they look at it in a large sense. So in terms of their business model, they're an advertising company. So their competitor is, is Google. Between Facebook and Google, you've got, you know, almost all the digital advertising, you know, uh, profits. Uh, Amazon has recently you know, started to do a lot of digital advertising. So they've, they got, you know, uh, a chunk of that. Um, and everyone else is picking up the crumbs. So there's that. And obviously in social, um, they're very competitive. So what's happened is that because they're under such scrutiny now, they couldn't do what they did with Instagram and WhatsApp, these two companies that they took off the market by throwing a lot of money at them. Um, in 2012 and 2014. So, you know, they couldn't buy TikTok, which was a threat to them um, and, and continues to be. And for something like Clubhouse, they couldn't, they can't buy Clubhouse. You know, Twitter wanted to buy it for $4 billion and Clubhouse just uh, did a round of financing that valued it at $4 billion. Clubhouse is really interesting. It's sort of the hottest um, app going these days. I did a big story for Wired about that um, last issue. And the... Um, <clears throat> So, of course, what he tries to do is saying, well, we're going to do our own version of Clubhouse. But I don't know if people want to use Facebook for something else. You know, you could say that Facebook has an advantage because the social your network is on Facebook. All your friends are on Facebook. Um, so you might want to do this audio chat that Clubhouse does. But on the other hand, you might think, boy, I'm already on Facebook enough. So I'm a little skeptical and how well Facebook's version of Clubhouse, whatever they call it, 
is is going to how that's going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, they have failed in other things. I tell the story in the book where Mark Zuckerberg tried to buy Snapchat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he tried he successfully bought Instagram, successfully bought WhatsApp, but when he tried to buy Snapchat, Snapchat CEO Evan Spiegel thought that Mark Zuckerberg wasn't cool enough. <laughs> he thought, you know, you know, you know, you're you're like an old guy, you know, you know, you know, you know Mark was like thirty and Evan Spiegel was like twenty two, right? And you know, so he said, yeah, no, no, sorry, not interested. And Zuckerberg said, well, you know, we're going to do our own thing then, and literally sent him an email when they launched and saying, you know, he's on holiday, saying, Merry Christmas, here's my my competitor that's going to wipe you off the map. Well, it didn't work too well because, as it turns out, Devin Spiegel understood teenagers at that point better than Mark Zuckerberg, who was almost 30 at the time, knew him. Um, so uh, it, it's not a guarantee of success when Facebook tries to copy you. Yeah, that's interesting. Stephen Levy, author of Facebook, The Inside Story. Part of the uh, presentations that are going on this week, the St. Louis Jewish Book Festival Spring Virtual Pop-Up, and his presentation is on Tuesday night, 7 o'clock. You can get some tickets to uh, be a part of that. And you can actually, if you have the Spring Virtual Pass, just pop on in. And Charlie Brennan's going to be moderating that, which is super exciting. Do you think they look at the government as a threat? I think that the government regulation is definitely something that they're incredibly worried about. you know, their reaction is to well, spend a lot of money in lobbying, but also um, to say, hey, we're, we're all for regulation now. But it's interesting, the regulations that they propose are things that they're already doing, but the smaller companies that are trying to get into the market, the places like Clubhouse, um, you know, would have to spend a lot of money to, to do, to police their own system. Um, so... Uh, they're proposing reforms that actually would benefit them and make them and, you know, and, and hurt their competitors. Mm. So, um, uh, but they're, you know, they're very worried. As I said before, already, even without filing the formal antitrust complaints and you know, they're being investigated, um, even without any rulings, Facebook is constrained to what they can do. Um, they can't spend $4 billion dollars to buy another company right now. The FTC would just bounce that. Yeah. Do you think that a day will come along where Mark Zuckerberg is not associated with Facebook and they're going to have an identity crisis? Because you look at some of these large companies where the the face of the company steps aside. Or if you look at Elon Musk, for example, he's an interesting guy because he's the face of multiple companies because they're doing multiple things. But there's a lot of times where he'll tweet something or say something and then people will wonder if it's better for him to step down because he's somewhat controversial in that sense. So do you think there's going to be a time where Mark Zuckerberg won't be associated with Facebook or do you get the feel that he is so built into it, it's such his thing that he's going to be in that seat until the day he dies? You know, um, it's interesting. I, I, one person I followed a long time is Bill Gates. And we once thought that Gates would never leave Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, uh, I remember my last story for Newsweek in 2008 was, you know, um, you know, tracking his departure from Microsoft. And, you know, um, and, it, 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 and it wasn't until last year that actually he left the board and you know, he's now just a technology advisor. Of course, he spends his time on his um, foundation. Um, you know, so Mark Zuckerberg was 19 years old when he invented Facebook. 
Um, he's his mid thirties now. Um, I think that he won't be in charge of Facebook when he's 60. Mm-hmm. I don't think that'll happen. Um, you know, um, and you look at Larry and Sergey at Google, you know, you know, Larry Page and Sergey Brin. Um, you never thought that they would be leaving, you know, uh, they're like, I guess just re- getting into their forties now. Um, you know, uh, in 2019, both of them left the company. The company's different when you have someone who, he, he, who might be an executive, an excellent CEO, you know, Sasha Nadella at Microsoft, Sundar Pichai at Google, but when they're not the founder, it's something different. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the caretaker of the company, but, um, it, you know, Tim Cook at Apple, you know, um, excellent executive, but it doesn't have the creative drive that a founder brings to the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, and I think, I think, you know, Mark, Mark Zuckerberg is probably good for 10 more years. But after that, I'm not sure. Yeah. So your book, Facebook, The Inside Story, if people wanted to look it up or find it, where can they go? Uh, anywhere they buy books. Uh, you can go on Amazon if you want to support some other tech billionaire. Um, <laughs> or you could go to uh, bookshop.org, or, you know, which does local things. Your local bookstore is great. If you're vaccinated, go to your bookstore and, 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 and buy it there or, you know, uh, buy the ebook um, from, you know, the Kindle or Apple or, or Google or wherever. Facebook, The Inside Story by author Stephen Levy, and he's going to be doing an interview tomorrow as part of the St. Louis Jewish Book Festival Spring Virtual Pop-Up. So 7 o'clock Tuesday night, tickets are on sale. If you got the Spring Virtual Pass, you can hop in and check it out. Stephen Levy, you spent a lot of time with us here tonight. Thank you so much. It's a fascinating topic with Facebook, The Inside Story, and thanks for coming on to KMOX. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. And he joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line on Overnight America, KMOX. Overnight America with Ryan Recker is sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com On the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Welcome back to Overnight America. All right. Getting ready to uh, wrap things up here in a couple minutes. And when we come back in the next hour, replay of our friend Rich Rubino, author of American Politics on the Rocks. You'll be able to get that there. Uh, I wanted to point out one thing that I was really excited about to read over the weekend, and it was that Joe Buck is going to be able to take a turn to guest host Jeopardy. Good old uh, Joe Buck. So many great memories here to St. Louis and KMOX, and has a particularly uh, close connection with KMOX Radio because of his work, not only with himself doing Cardinals baseball work, but his dad, Jack Buck being the most legendary of all personalities on KMOX Radio and one of the best in the radio business in the history of the broadcast medium. To see Joe hosting Jeopardy is going to be cool. I've had zero interest in viewing any of the other personalities there. Zero. None whatsoever. But when I saw that Joe Buck was going to give it a try, I thought, you know what? I would give that a try. Don't care about it, Aaron Rodgers. No care in the world. Don't care about Anderson Cooper. Don't care about any of the other ones that are on there. Zero zilch. Don't care who takes it over. Joe Buck gives it a try. 
I don't know if he would be considered someone that is a, uh, you know, front runner for the show or if he even wants to do it. I mean, him recording for sports, baseball and football for Fox and his busy schedule there. He's got enough going on. I, does he even want to do something like this or is he totally content with sports? All I know is he's just a great personality as in he is a great talent in that sense and he'll be able to do a great job. And that's why I'm excited. Dr. Oz, apparently, um, did he actually guest host or was he someone that they decided to pull the plug on? I don't know. Katie Kirk was in there. Ken Jennings was the former Jeopardy all-star that came back. And a lot of people thought he should be the heir apparent. Uh, who else is in there? Savannah Guthrie, Dr. Gupta. Um, I don't recognize some of the other ones on the schedule, but Joe Buck, 51 years old, voice of the World Series and Fox since 96. He's called the top NFL game since 2002. And rightfully so, he's uh, one of the very best. When I first came to KMOX, I did this stupid little thing where I posted on social media that I taped a $5 bill inside of one of the communal lockers just to see if anyone would find it. And the person that works over on the interactive side, Sam, saw that. And it just so happened to be one of the guest host appearances where um, Joe Buck was coming in to talk to Charlie Brennan. Well, they decided to stage a little video as if there was some sort of um, security camera inside of that jock office. And they took a video of <laughs> Joe Buck looking for the money, which wasn't there at that time, and him angrily slamming the locker door, which I thought was very, very funny. I wish I could meet him. And, I, you know, maybe one day I'll be able to meet him in person. I think that'll happen. All right, so coming up after the break, a uh, replay of Tashara Jones taking office. That means Kevin Kleen's whole other story, Amir Leidekrus, and reflecting on her time in office. And then Rich Rubino, author of American Politics on the Rocks, our interview with him coming up next hour, too. Enjoy the rest of your night. We'll be back again Tuesday night after Cardinals baseball. We hope to talk to you then. Sleep well. We'll see you. Bye. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 